It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. Besides the screen you spent most of your time staring at this week, chances are you are also captivated by a big screen video installation. From billboards to scoreboards, we inform and entertain audiences with our big screen solutions. Visit bigscreenvideo.com.au to see how BSV can bring your space to life. Avoid rising energy prices and get a smarter home energy solution with B-Solar. Visit B.Solar and GLG Greenlife Group. Leaders in property services and open space management at glgcorp.com. The First Serve, your home of tennis. Good evening, everybody. Welcome along to The First Serve. We are back for a Monday night uh, post uh, two magnificent weeks at the Championships. We've got a big show coming up at this hour. You're always welcome to give us a call, one 736 736 on this uh, Monday, the 11th July. Your text uh, tonight as well, 0433981116. All good uh, thanks to our good friends at Tennis Direct, Australia's uh, favourite online tennis store. Fast delivery, great prices, free delivery on orders over $150. So you can visit their website while you're listening to us tonight, tennisdirect.com.au. You'll get that nice little uh, 10% discount uh, store-wide using the promo code FIRSTSERVE10. Got a big B solar menu tonight. Very special co-host alongside me. Uh, Max Purcell is going to join us. Uh, part of the M&Ms, we've dubbed them the last uh, two weeks. What a two weeks it was uh, for Max Purcell and Matt Ebden to win the Wimbledon Doubles Championships. And uh, Max will join us for a chat a little bit uh, later on uh, this hour. Uh, but for those uh, who were uh, listening into the call uh, last night, that went into the very early hours of this morning with uh, Novak Djokovic uh, winning his uh, seventh at Wimbledon title, you would have heard uh, the voice of Australian professionally turned pro about a decade ago. Of course, Australian Open doubles finalist uh, 2020. He's been a four-time runner-up at ATP tour level. Uh, won junior Wimbledon back in 2011, got to the number one ranking and uh, he is uh, right in the heart of his career right now. He's ducked back to Melbourne for a couple of weeks. Uh, Luke Saville, great to have you back on. We uh, Well, we only saw each other, uh, well, we've seen each other today already <laughs> and you're back tonight. Great to have you on the show. Thanks, BP. Thanks for having me. Really, uh, really excited to be here, listening quite a bit to the first serve um, and uh, very, uh, yeah, very big fan of you guys. So thank you. No, good to have you here. It's uh, rare we sort of get the Aussie players in town where we can actually have a little bit of access. Uh, so we're going to talk about your year uh, as well and how it's all uh, tracking. But uh, now that we've had a few more hours, there's been a lot of chatter on SEN today across all the programs about what unfolded in the early hours of the morning. Um, how do you sort of sit with it now, having sat through Kyrgios and uh, Djokovic that final last night? Yeah, I thought it was a great match. Um, amazing level. I thought Nick, you know, he played he played very well for four sets and came out playing playing you know really well. Came out won that first set and it just felt like Novak slowly but surely sort of got a stranglehold of the match and just started returning a lot better, putting a lot of Nick serves back into court and it was almost like a tale of two matches. I yep. felt the first set and a little bit Nick was on top and then slowly but surely those reverse those roles reverse. So. It was very impressive to see Novak just not panic going down a set and then um, winning the the last three sets. But um, I think Nick can be very proud of his effort. It's quite a familiar pattern with Djokovic, isn't it? Because this wasn't the first time in the tournament that he dropped a set. He lost a couple of sets to Sinner, reset, and he's he's like a 
an anaconda. It just, uh, it just strangles you bit by bit. And uh, if you look at those return points from the first set and then sets two, three and four, he just got better and better. We could see it uh, as part of the coverage at last night when the, the cameras are on him as in that return stance mm. and the eyeballs are popping out of his head and he's zeroing yep. in, trying to read the Kyrgios serve and get that first really good strike uh, back into play. And it's as good a return as there, as there is in the game. Absolutely. And yeah, just I think I'm not really sure, but it seems like he just gets a read on the serve as the match progresses. He maybe reads the ball toss a little bit, maybe the start of the serve. I'm, I'm not 100% sure what it is, but just not panicking in a, a, another Wimbledon final and just slowly but surely gaining momentum in that match. And by the third and fourth set, he was just striking the ball amazingly, amazingly well. And uh, yeah, I think Nick, um, you know, he left it all out there and not without a few outbursts, but um, he definitely can hold his head high after that performance. Yeah, and we commented during the call last night, and I was listening to Robbie Coney, a great chat with uh, Sam Hargraves in there. Uh, the show that's uh, preceded us, of course, uh, uh, tonight, uh, the Maccas run just after uh, six, and Robbie's one of the, the learned voices, great voices in uh, tennis, and I think we're all on the same page of not really understanding the outburst towards his own player box, which don't just go for a minute or two. It goes for an extended period when the chips are down and he's trying to find a way. And if I had have been there, Luke, I reckon that's one of the first questions I would have jumped into press and asked him, not as a criticism, but to understand why he does that. It's a really tough one, BP. I'm uh, I'm definitely not a fan of it. I think it looks really bad and it's it's quite embarrassing just to, to sit there and to watch it. I mean, as you and I spoke about a lot last night, everyone in his player's box is there just to support him. Um, they love him. They've been there through the journey with him and they just want nothing but the best. So when he looks up there and, uh, you know, he's talking to them and telling them to stand up and, you know, to be louder and it's just a little bit disrespectful, to be honest. And I think, you know, deep down, Nick's a, he's a good kid. Yep. And, um, you know, I think we uh, we stayed to the end of the speeches and uh, he spoke really, really well. He was full of praise with his whole support staff and Novak and his team. And when he does that stuff towards his box, you're just not quite sure why he's doing it. But um, you just hope he kind of sorts it out. Well, if you missed a bit of reaction uh, last night, let's hear from uh, Nick Kyrgios into Novak Djokovic in the uh, aftermatch. Your first Grand Slam final here at Wimbledon. Has it made you hungry for more? Absolutely not. I'm so tired, honestly. <laughs> um, you know, my, my, myself, my team, I think we're all exhausted. You know, we played so much tennis. Um, but I definitely uh, need a well-earned vacation after this one. Um, so I'm just really happy with this result. It's probably the best of my career. And hopefully, maybe one day um, I'll be here again. But I don't know about that. But... Um, Let's talk about this. Your fourth <laughs> Wimbledon in a row, your seventh Wimbledon title, your 21st Grand Slam title. How special. I mean, thank you so much. I, 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 lost, I lost words for what this tournament, uh, what this trophy means to me, to my, to my team, to my family. I've, I've said this you know, many times. It's always has been and will be the most special tournament in my heart, the one that motivated me, inspired me to start playing tennis in a small little mountain resort in Serbia where my parents used to run a restaurant. I was four and a half, five years old, and I saw Pete Sampras win his first Wimbledon in 92, and I asked my dad and mom to buy me a racket, and, and my first image of tennis was grass and Wimbledon, and I always dreamed of coming here just playing in this court and then of course uh, realizing the childhood dream and winning this trophy and 
you know, every single time it's, it gets more and more meaningful and special. And so I'm, I'm very blessed and very thankful to, to be standing here with, it, with the trophy. So it's Novak, uh, of course, uh, Nick, and that's a question I got asked a lot in uh, speaking to um, various stations across the SEN network uh, today. Is this going to maybe inspire uh, Nick to have a, um, a a renewed love and, and maybe dedicate more weeks to playing? But uh, we heard the response from Nick there at the start, and he's been pretty uh, black and white about it, hasn't he, Luke? That I only want to play for a certain amount of months for the year. I don't want to grind. That's not me. I don't want to uh, live and breathe the tennis lifestyle for eight, nine months a year. I don't think that is going to change, um, in my view. But maybe maybe just making a Wimbledon final might make him rethink. And I'd, I'd love to know what the people around him talk about in terms of uh, trying to support and, and maybe just saying, hey, listen... Uh, you've got unbelievable sublime talent. It'd be such a shame if you didn't at least win one of these, and you can win. I mean, there's a lot of people that can't, but you can. Yeah, I think so. He's never going to be the type of guy that um, is going to play 25, 30 weeks throughout the year and really dedicate himself and spend a lot of time away from Canberra. He's been very public about being at home, and you know he loves being around his family and his his dogs. And um, yeah, he's uh, he's talked about the travel grind a little bit and. But I think, yeah, I think at the bigger events, it's going to increase that motivation and, um, yeah, that renewed, um, yeah, motivation, if you like, and um, just want him to, everyone wants him to succeed and, yep. and have more runs at these Grand Slams. And he's always had that confidence and that belief, but making a, a final of a slam, I think that really instills that and um, hopefully he's hungry for more. Well, Nick Kyrgios, I think, you know, I've been doing this show a long time. Uh, he's been a, a talking point a lot, and I, I've made it uh, no open secret that I've, you know, suffered from uh, uh, Nick fatigue only because uh, I'd love the focus to be on some of the other Australian players. Uh, you know, we don't talk about Alex Demonor as our number one singles player enough. Uh, the focus does go on to uh, Nick, and here's Alex, uh, three years in a row. He's sitting as our number one player in that uh, top 30. Uh, and, and hopefully he can take a, a few rungs. We'll go through a few of the Aussies and get your views uh, very shortly. Uh, Luke Savile in the studio tonight. If you'd love to give us a call, one three hundred seven three six seven three six. 736 736 Luke here, thanks to AATC, Australasian Academy of Tennis Coaches. They're providing quality coach education right across the globe. So they've got courses delivered by industry leaders, tennis business owners. You can learn locally and uh, coach globally, internationally endorsed, inquire and enrol at AATC.tennis. Uh, and... Djokovic, I don't know, um, and I think you might have said this on the call uh, last night, but for our audience at Chin In on a Monday night, I think you sort of talked about him sort of being this, you know, quite, um, he's got a presence, uh, like all the, the big stars, and can be maybe a little bit intimidating, but uh, have you crossed paths that often, or have you ever have you ever had a hit with him, or just been in his vicinity? Um, yeah, I feel like he's, he's pretty, mo- um, yeah, he's a very motivated guy, and um, very intimidating, and I actually remember just a really quick story. I was warming him up um, ahead of a semi-final Australian right. Open quite a few years ago. I was yep. a young fella and uh, we're hitting out on show court two and it was quite windy and I was maybe missing a few balls and I remember I missed one long maybe by a couple of feet and he just got the ball and whacked it out of the stadium. So I think uh, he, he walked off after practice. He shook my hand and was very polite, but I remember that's when he was getting coached by Boris Becker and Boris Becker sort of uh, hung behind and said, uh, oh, he's just a little bit nervous before his, before his match. So yep. um, I played him with Alex Demonar in the uh, in the first round of the Paris Masters last year. Yes. Um, and we lost in a super tie break. And we actually, uh, we had him. We had him on toast, but uh, didn't quite get there. And uh, But we played on center court, first round of Masters, 10,000 people watching. So that was... Um, an amazing experience for me. Who was partnering Djokovic that day? Uh, Krajinovic. Right. Okay. 
the all uh, the all Serbian affair. There you go. Um, oh, actually, it's funny you talk about Boris. I remember going out to court sixteen because I was intrigued uh, to watch training sessions and just see what sort of impact Boris uh, has. They didn't speak uh, for an hour, Luke, and mm. all all Boris did with that, that dodgy knee, he was <laughs> limping around, just picking up tennis balls. Sure. I mean, clearly they'd have a pre-chat about maybe how they like the session to go, but uh, it was just interesting to watch uh, the the dialogue. Uh, Darren in uh, Mooney Ponds has actually given us a call, one three hundred seven three six seven three six. Darren, great to have you on the show. Yeah, thanks, thanks, fellas. Um, I just wanted to uh, talk to you about uh, the doubles. I think it's terrific that uh, Matty Ebden and um, uh, Purcell won the uh, doubles at Wimbledon. But um, one thing that always detracts from uh, the doubles these days is uh, one the the crowds, the small crowds that attend the finals, and also what contributes to that is the um, lack of singles players playing in doubles. And I guess with the Wimbledon being best of five, that's certainly a factor. And I wanted to run an idea past you. Yep. And that, that is, um, why can't they have a system where, say, they'll take a late entry of a doubles pair who can play, say, on day four of the um, uh, Grand Slam? And, and then if you've got a big-name player who sort of loses in the, uh, the first round of the singles, they can enter, enter into the doubles. Yeah, look, doubles, I mean, we, we've talked a lot about doubles. I'll let you digest that, Logan. You can have a response to this. But um, we've often spoken at the doubles on this show where it uh, should be best positioned. And I always say the year I went to the ATP finals at the O2, the year that Grigor Dimitrov won the singles, the doubles are always on beforehand. So you come into the O2, 17,000 capacity. There already, there already would be about 10,000 in for the dubs. And then... Uh, the singles would follow. And I've always thought, and this is a tough one with scheduling and how you do it, and it's all about you know TV and money and everything else. But if you were going to one of the slams, I would love the doubles. Here's the ticket for the day. It's a bit like, you know, use a footy analogy. You know, you go along to watch uh, the full day, the under-19s, the reserves, the seniors. Mm. And, and that, I mean, the crowd at Wimbledon, look, they certainly went out after... Uh, the women's final, but they did come back in in pretty good numbers for that Ebden Purcell uh, final. So it wasn't empty at all, but it's an interesting talking point. I don't know what's spoken about, Luke, on the tour around sort of doubles scheduling and its position because the quality of good doubles mm. is brilliant. And a lot of people love coming to watch the doubles. Yeah, I think, um, you know, singles is always going to be the, uh, the the main focus, the main priority for a lot of your tennis fans. But yeah, obviously in my opinion, being a, a full time doubles player, I think um it's a great it's a great product. It's um it's amazing to watch. It's fast. Um I really enjoy the format. Uh, I think the best of five uh, at Wimbledon is slightly too long and you maybe lose uh, the engagement of the of the spectators and the fans and that, yeah. that could hurt it a little bit. And exactly what you said, BP, I think um just working the scheduling around um just promoting the doubles a little bit more and I think probably both tours could do a better job at, um, you know, even on their social medias, just yep. pumping up these these teams and and you know I think uh, pumping up the profiles because we all know, um, you know, we all know the singles players, the, the top hundred, but you know these sort of um, these teams that stick together, I think we can do a better job of. Um, really giving them the the exposure that they deserve. Spot on. So I think the marketability needs to be better because you're looking at 
uh, you know, Nikola Mitic, Marte Pavic, 13 titles since the start of 2001. They both got up to the number one uh, ranking, and they are specialist doubles players who are brilliant to watch. They know the nuances of the tennis court and the shots. I mean, here's Pavic with uh, uh, a busted ham who was uh, still playing an incredible level. So, I mean, the Bryan brothers, I mean, what, over 100 titles? Mm. You know, put doubles uh, on the map as specialist doubles players. So I think that's the key. Rather than, okay, we need some singles players to come down to make it even a bigger event, in my view. Yeah, for sure. I mean, I think there's enough um, very uh, talented and, and great sort of doubles players there where we don't need a lot of the singles guys coming in and playing. I think we have enough um, doubles guys and I think we could do a better job of, you know, pumping them up. And, um, you know, like you said, you've got Pavic and Mektik who are yep. setting this uh, amazing record of titles um, and no one's really hearing about it. So, yeah, I think they can, you know, everyone involved can do a better job. Uh, Nick's in uh, Hoppers Crossing joining us here on the first serve. Uh, great to have you on, Nick. Thanks, buddy. Um, how are you guys going? Good? Oh, well, I've, uh, I've just sort of had a good night's sleep uh, uh, today, Nick. And as of tomorrow, I'm actually going to have a couple of days off. So a little fly blown, but uh, the energy's still pumping through and uh, I'd have it no other way. What do you got for us? Yeah, I've got, I've got a bit of the serious migraine going, coming off, but I'll, I'll, take, I'll take a few panels or that'll go away. <laughs> but anyway, on the serious side, I think um, the Joker has done a very good um, job. Um, seeing that he got deported from the Australian Open and all that, I think that was playing out of his mind. He said to himself, I've got to win this. I've got to do it. I can do it. And I love Wimbledon. Yep. Like he, you can hear on his, on his recording there, as a kid, he wanted to play and he saw grass and it's Wimbledon. Yep. And he also sort of paid tribute to the, to the Australian government and said, Look, I'll be one of your players, but that's my payback. That's in a funny way. But um, in, in regards to Kyrgios, before I go on to him, I think um, Rafa and um, the Jacob will be playing until end of 2023, and then we'll see what happens because eight factors come and come in in injuries. And there's a lot, a lot of young young guys going to Zerif and all these other ones. Well, that, that's a special thing to happen in the next 12 to 18 months. Um, with the Kyrgios factor, I think on the positive side, look, he made, he made it in the grandstand, but I don't think he was he'll get in another grand plan, unless it gets the case for um, Roger, Roger Rashid, fabulous bloke. I've heard him yep. on a lot of stations and yep. and sort of in that guy talks sense. He, he, he analyses it properly. He knows, look, the Joker had mental strength, um, mm. curious, he played it good, but he, but he, he just, he, he, I don't know, it's, it's, a, it's a problem that he, yep. he feels the pressure. That's one reason. Yeah, I don't and the know. other one, he also does it. Yeah. I don't know, Nick, if it's, uh, it's ever going to happen. I mean, if he hasn't got a coach by now, he's been coachless for some period now. Uh, he doesn't want to coach. I don't know how many necessarily would put their hand up either because uh, you'd have to have a proper sit-down pre. Uh, I mean, coaches obviously bring in their own mantra and how they like to go about things and some non-negotiables, uh, Luke, of how that partnership's mm. going to work. And I don't know how the two uh, would necessarily marry up. No, he's been coachless for quite a few years now, and um, you know a few a few coaches tried to do that job, um, you know, probably four, five, six years ago, and with no success. And I think, yeah, exactly what you said. He travels with uh, a couple of friends, his manager, and and maybe a hitting partner. And I think he's just he runs his own ship. And uh, mm-hmm. if someone comes in there and tries to sort of uh, tighten the screws a little bit and, and give him some direction and and you know speak to him about his matches and whatnot, I think. Uh, I, th- I don't know if that's going to work out. Yeah, and trying to predict the future, Nick, is really, really hard. Uh, we'll just see what the next instalment looks like. He comes back to Australia. He's got some things off court that he clearly has to uh, uh, deal with first. He does play uh, the US swing and normally has wound his season up 
after that, uh, more often than not, the last few years. So I'm not sure exactly what the next instalment looks like uh, with Nick, but we can only wish him all the best, and we want to see that sublime talent um, you know, get the, the best out of himself uh, for however long his uh, career keeps going. Uh, Shannon's in Dandenong. Hello, Shannon. Welcome. I uh, love loved you, Paul. Thank Remember you. Series. Appreciate that. Uh, just one, just just wondering, um, what's the reason why Djokovic can't play in the U.S. Open? Sorry, what's the story? Yeah, yeah. So at, at the moment, the U.S. Um, obviously are not allowing uh, people who are un- unvaccinated to come into the country. Now, whether that's going to change uh, in the next uh, four to six weeks, um, in the lead up to uh, New York, and obviously we've got the, the tournaments before. We've got Cincinnati. We've got uh, the Canadian Masters 1000. So it, it looks like it's just not probably going to happen. I think he's probably resigned uh, to that. And, and how long that stays in place, I mean, he's just going to have to play the long game here, uh, Luke. And he's been that one year younger than Rafa. You know, it, it, those two, I mean, I don't expect that Rafa's going to necessarily play for the next five years and go all the way through to 40 like Roger. Whereas Novak, out of that pair, has probably got the longevity to keep going and going until he uh, breaks all the records. I think so. He seems like he's the fittest um, of the three and takes care of his body amazingly well. Rafa's had the more injury troubles and uh, a few more niggles as well. So he's been very adamant that he won't get vaccinated. Uh, He's going to play the long game and uh, and obviously he's hoping that the US Open budge and and America budge on it. But if they don't, he'll... uh, He'll wait it out and uh, and hopefully uh, get ready for the Australian Open where Australia will, um, you know, fingers crossed, relax theirs. A little watch this space at the moment. We're going to get a break and we'll come back and take more calls. Max Purcell is going to join us uh, very soon. Uh, thanks to our good friends at Hume Tennis and Community Centre. Tim Connolly was messaging us uh, in the call uh, last night. I forgot to read his text out. He's... Uh, uh, sunbaking somewhere in southern Italy, and he was listening to SCN on the app. He's a great man. A mini Melbourne Park in Melbourne's north, uh, which is tennis for everyone, so it's perfect also. If you're listening to us interstate, coaches, players, if you're uh, coming down, bringing your group, they've got accommodation just around the corner there. Find out more, humetennis.com.au, 18-core facility. It's a beauty out in Melbourne's north. A quick break. Uh, Luke Saville, alongside myself, Brett Phillips, tonight we're pulling apart Wimbledon, and uh, happy to take your calls next. Let the sun pay for your electricity with a 6.6 kilowatt solar system from B Solar. Visit B.Solar and GLG Greenlife Group, leaders in property services and open space management at glgcorp.com. The first serve, your home of tennis. Welcome back to the first serve, a Monday night staple uh, right throughout the year talking at the world of tennis. And you can check out our website as well, thefirstserve.com.au. Our team is ticking that over. Uh, every single day, our socials, if you're following us on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, covering every single Aussie from the ITS up to the pros and what they're doing on a week-to-week uh, basis. So there's plenty of content. If you love our tennis, a lot of podcasts uh, separate to our show on a Monday night that you can consume at your leisure uh, across different themes in tennis. So Luke Saville alongside me in the studio. It's great to have one of our current-day players uh, in town for a couple of weeks to uh, pick his brain about uh, the world of tennis, and we probably need two hours, Luke, so we're mm. always trying to squeeze it into an hour. Uh, Ellie's in St Kilda, big tennis fan. Ellie, great to have you on the show. Hey, how are you guys? Good, thank you. What do you got for us? Um, well, I had a few things I was thinking about the tennis, especially watching Kyrgios, but I had a question first. If uh, It's probably not no good answer to the question, but this might as well ask. If, let's say, I'm watching tennis and I think of a certain idea that might help a player, what is a possible way that I can try and get that idea across to the player that he could possibly see it. And like, especially with Luke Savile on the program, what is some way that there's a chance you'd actually see the idea? 
I'm just trying to just trying to yeah. follow the question, Ellie. Just, just like let's say I'm watching Kyrgios and I think, oh, he really should change the way he does this or that or whatever. So I want to suggest it to him. But obviously, he's some massive player with a massive profile, so it's not it's not likely <laughs> to just be. No, we've got his. <laughs> yeah, we've got, we've... I was just thinking. Right. Is there any way yeah. to do it? Oh no, we've got his personal number here. I'm happy to hand that out. No, uh, well, uh, every player has um, uh, a management team around them. <laughs> Uh, I'm sure you could forward something through. Now, whether they would pass it on, uh, that's another matter, uh, Ellie, but that's the only way I could uh, maybe suggest, unless you um, uh, join us in the media and get some accreditation and get yourself into a few press conferences, you could fire some uh, questions at uh, at Nick. Uh, but, yeah, probably uh, yeah, you could forward something to management. But, uh, <laughs> good luck maybe getting it handballed through. Anything else? Um, yeah, well, I just wanted to say some of the things that came across I came across when I was watching some of the games. Um, firstly, firstly, just in terms of Curios, I think like he, well, actually before that, you, you, you mentioned about how there's so much attention on Curios and you wish there was attention on some of the other players. And I understand that, but I think there's a counterpoint to that, which is that when you watch sport, you want to see, you know, the ultimate success. Yep. Um, that's what excites people. And that's what, you know, that's why people are watching the final of Wimbledon, people who even wouldn't necessarily have been watching tennis so much. And when you look at some of the other players, <clears throat> Zimanor is a great player, but he's, his talent level is such that, you know, his ceiling is just much lower than Kyrgios's. So when you see someone like Kyrgios, yeah, you know, he might go out second round 50 times, but it doesn't mean he can't reach very far in a slam like he just did. Whereas with Demonor, it's very hard to see him getting to a semi-final or final of a slam. So because you know there's that ceiling there, for me, I enjoy watching Demonor. I, I watch him all the time and yep. convince myself that maybe he'll get deep. But you can't compare watching someone that you know you never know might be able to get far with someone who just has a lower ceiling. That's why I think Kyrgios, in a way, um, deserves a bit more attention. Yeah, thank you for your call, Ellie. Really appreciate it. Uh, I get it, what you're saying. And I think this is all um, in the eye of the beholder and how we all see it uh, a little bit differently. I made mention to Luke on the broadcast last night. So my natural DNA is I sort of lean towards uh, Alex and Jordan Thompson, James Duckworth, uh, John Millman, who, uh, you know, to me, when I go and sit courtside or watch a match, they are getting the absolute maximum out of their cells, dedicated to their craft, uh, do it with little fanfare, uh, just got eyes on the contest. So, you know, Nick is an exception to all, I think, of our Australian players. And you take some of it and you leave some of it. And uh, it's not going to, um, you know, be endearing necessarily to everyone. Not that we're not trying to support him. I mean, if anyone that's listened to this show for a long time knows that I personally have wanted to support him. But I just can't condone some of the stuff that goes on. And that makes him the central um, focal point all the time. Whereas we should be talking more about our Australian uh, playing group collectively, which Luke is a part of. And I want to talk about Luke's uh, journey very shortly. Uh, Johnny Nelwood, welcome to the show, John. Oh, day, guys. Uh, I've just got a couple of questions. First, I just wanted your opinion on how much do you think this Grand Slam, uh, not means, but how, well, how much does it really mean when there were so many high-ranking players that weren't allowed to attend? And second question is, what do you guys actually think of each tournament having their own rules to who can attend and who can't and it not being under the one umbrella of the Tennis Federation, one rule for everyone? Luke, you got a thought on that? Well, there was really only two, uh, two high-ranked players that weren't able to, to attend on, on the men's side yep. uh, and on the women's side there was uh, you know, a few as well and obviously Rublev and Medvedev and Chilich and Berrettini, they had to withdraw because of COVID and... Mm. 
So I think, of course, it's Wimbledon. Uh, it's you know maybe the most prestigious Grand Slam there is, and there's just so much history there. So no, I think it's still it's still Wimbledon. It's still uh, still a Grand Slam, and it, it means just as much as um, as it as it ever has, if you like. And uh, so yeah, there, there were no ranking points uh, for this Grand Slam, which uh, you know definitely hurt some of the lower ranked players. But for Novak, I don't think he is not worried too much about not getting the two thousand points or whatever it is for, for winning the title. No, there's always every slam there's players missing. I mean, you can only play the field that's uh, around you. And, I mean, the only one I feel for from an Australian perspective is Jason Kubler, who uh, right now, as of today in the official ranking, sits at 102 and could have been about 70-odd because of his run to the fourth round. But, I mean, hopefully Jason's natural talent and progression that he's made in the last few months will just see him uh, incrementally uh, rise towards the top 50, we hope. We need to get a break in. Max Purcell is waiting for us in the United States. We're going to get to Max next on the first serve. Fight back against rising energy prices with a 6.6 kilowatt solar system from B Solar. Visit B.Solar and GLG Green Life Group. Leaders in property services and open space management at glgcorp.com. The first serve. Your home of tennis. Welcome back to the first serve. Uh, Brett Phillips, Luke Seville, uh, hopefully going to get to Max Purcell in just a moment. Uh, Melbourne's leading synthetic grass court surface and construction specialist, SD Tennis Court. You can check them out at aste.com.au. Trusted by Melbourne tennis clubs and councils. Uh, they are on board with us uh, every uh, single week. Uh, just off the text, Kyrgios was like Andy Murray earlier where he put too much pressure on himself and... Uh, ridiculed everything for losing rather than focusing on trying to win. I mean, that was brought up today where, I mean, Andy's always had a a, a feisty sort of relationship with his player box. It's maybe just toned down a bit now as he's got into the uh, sort of elder uh, statesman sort of category. But I think you're probably, you're one or the other. Look, there's some players who don't seek or need the player box to be with them every single point. There are others that just every time they're looking over. Yeah, I think so. Um, I feel like it's, uh, there's obviously that fine line of, uh, Feeding off your players' box yep. with the positive emotion and going up there, and they're obviously there for a reason. Um, they're supporting you, and you want to feed off them. But I think directing any sort of uh, negative uh, talk towards them is, uh, you know, it's definitely not part of my DNA, if you like. And uh, but yeah, I think he's toned it down. And having having Lendl there, who's um, got no expressions at all, and and uh, I don't think he would take uh, no. too much negative talk towards uh, him too well. He'd storm out, I reckon. Um, <laughs> yeah. I mean, you, know, you can't crack a smile out of Ivan Lindell, but he would storm out, I reckon, if he was uh, uh, copying it. But as we've spoken about across the last uh, fortnight on this show, as part of our broadcast last night, I had uh, the privilege of you know working for nine the last two weeks and, and sitting on the set watching the doubles final of Wimbledon in the early hours of uh, Sunday morning and fitting that the finale went to five because I reckon you could almost frame a movie uh, around the efforts of Matt Ebden and Max Purcell the last uh, two weeks to win five five-set matches out of their six, a couple where they were two sets to love down, almost knocked out in the opening round, and the pair go on to win the Wimbledon title. And one of that pair, uh, Max Purcell, has been good enough to join us to take our call. Uh, tennis moves quickly because... Uh, Max, as you join us, uh, you've ducked across to Newport, Rhode Island for the continuation of the tour. But from us, uh, Luke and I, congratulations. What an achievement. Thanks, guys. Um, yeah, I didn't, I didn't get a, a, a ton of time to, to celebrate it, but um, it, was, it was enough. And, yeah, it was uh, no sleep, packing the bags, drunk, heading, to London, oh, heading from London to Newport. <laughs> uh, Max, you're obviously playing singles this week, mate. Uh, How's the how's the balancing with the singles and doubles going now? And what's your what's your schedule going to be in the states? Um, 
yeah, lucky enough to get a singles wildcard here in Newport. Um, if it wasn't for that, I don't think you would have seen me here. Um, I don't think anyone really would have seen me yet. But, um, yeah, so I got singles and doubles this week in, in Newport, and then I got another challenger for singles a week after in Indianapolis. And then, fingers crossed, I can and slide my way into the singles qualifying again in Atlanta and, and Los Cabos or Washington, whichever it may be, and then you know uh, line up some doubles there as well. Max, in your own words, can you just sum up the last fortnight? What what a what a ride for you guys? Yeah, um, I can't really. Um, it, <laughs> I definitely didn't expect to to be anything further than the first round when you when you're facing three match points in a row in a doubles match, and and doubles is you know there's a lot of a lot of luck involved, a lot of a lot of quick points. When you three match points down in a row, you you kind of you kind of out of there. Um, so when we got through that, I was you know anything after that was a bonus and to get the whole way through was pretty ridiculous. Maxi, at what stage in the tournament, what round did you feel like, all right, we're, we're a chance here. We, we could maybe go the whole way. Well, once um, once I hit the clean frame winner in the semi to, to save the match, <laughs> I was like, all right, that's that's enough. Um, I think I think this is probably ours now. You and I have spoken about this a little bit, obviously coming off you know, the biggest high of your career so far. How do you sort of refresh, refocus and go again this week in Newport? Obviously, anything from Centre Court Wimbledon is definitely a, a letdown, a downgrade if you like. How do you go again? How do you get yourself up for singles and doubles again this week? And obviously, uh, you know, you're probably a little bit tired after the last fortnight, but I know, uh, you know speaking to you, singles is such a priority. How do you go again? And uh, you know, obviously, you want to go deep this week and uh, and give it a good crack. Yeah, I think I think that's that's the key. The fact that singles are still my priority. I think any time I get to play singles these days, um, I'm kind of ready and I'm come up I'm up for it because my schedule is so so mixed. I'm I'm always itching at the chance to play singles, and with my ranking where I'm at, any time I can get to play the main draw of a tour event, I'm you know I'm there. I'm ready. It doesn't it doesn't really phase me where I've come from. Obviously, like you said, it, it is a bit of a, a letdown coming from a slam. You know, but I mean, any any time I get to play singles at a tour event, I think that's a that's a massive step in the right direction. So that's what I'm kind of feeding off for this week. Yeah, sure. And and uh, also, you know, finishing runner up at uh, at two slam finals prior to this one, how did you feel going out there? And what were the main uh, sort of techniques, or uh, what was the different approach you took into this one to uh, to turn the tables in this final? Um, well, uh, I'm not, it was a little bit of a help mentally knowing that Pavic, Pavic wasn't fully there with his, with his hand, but, um, but it was, it was a little bit of, a little bit of a, like, to our disadvantage sometimes because there's so much instinct involved in doubles with how fast it is with the reserve return, the quick volleys, and to kind of have to take a step back from using the instincts for me, um, and having like a certain game plan of making him try to beat us with his worst shot at that point, which was his backhand and his backhand volley. Um, yeah, it was a different kind of style for me. I'm not, I'm not really too much of a tactics man when it comes to doubles. I like to play free. So that that definitely um, was a was a change up. Um, but yeah, I think knowing that he wasn't going to be his best was a huge, huge push mentally for Matt and I. And then uh, stepping out there and, and then just kind of getting comfortable with that court um, made made a huge difference after that first set, and then it got to a point pretty late in the third set, early in the fourth, where we were kind of down, and we're like, "Look, you know, we shouldn't even be here. Basically, let's just enjoy it. And let's just start being like super aggressive with everything." 
and and that's exactly what changed it. We needed that little bit of a little bit of a change in intensity, and and that was so much better. Max Purcell, our special guest on the first serve tonight, part of the uh, the M and M's as we dubbed you guys the last couple of weeks, uh, with Matt Ebden winning the Wimbledon doubles uh, title, the first All Aussie pairing since the Woodies back in. Uh, 2000 uh, to claim the most prestigious of the uh, four majors. I'm, I'm just curious about, you know, the the dynamic between you guys. You came together at the US Open last year, Max. Quarter final there, final Australian Open, win Wimbledon. You won Houston on tour. You've had another runner up. This has been a great uh, partnership encore. But just tell us about the dynamic between the two of you, because you know there's 10 years separating you, you and age. Yep. Yeah, Matt's uh, Matt's a little different to me off the court. He's um, probably the most professional and athlete I've I've ever seen, um, and is you know extremely serious and and um, I guess well put with everything that he does. There's a structure to everything, so that that difference between me going out there and just like liking to clutch up and, and feel into the moment versus his uh, structure and tactics coming onto the court. I think there's a there's a good balance there because uh, he he trusts me to just do my thing and I, and I trust him to do his thing and and yeah i mean i was i was lucky that matt and i um didn't take too long before we kind of gelled like sav and i on the tennis court because that's that's a lot of what doubles is about you know you need to know what your partner's going to be doing the whole time rather than you know having to try and cater toward those those few points where, where you don't know what your partner's going to do the, i think there's so much to do with doubles and winning is the relationships you have rather than how good you two are individually so um yeah i think matt and i've been really lucky that our game styles on and off the court, um, and our, yeah, our personalities have, have gelled so well together. How was the experience on centre court? And, and second to that, did you feel, obviously it was a different Wimbledon with the no points and uh, you know obviously a much different year. Did you feel like it still had the same prestige as, as past years when you played? And uh, yeah, did you feel like it had the same, um, same history? And uh, yeah, how, how did it feel uh, from your end? Yeah, definitely couldn't give a shit about whether or not there was points by the time I was on the ground there. Um, I, it was to be honest, like when they when they hype it up about being the, the centenary year of of centre court, it almost felt more special than any other year. So, and again, I'm like my first ever time Wimbledon centre court a final and you win it. I'm never going to complain. Obviously, it would have been nice to see a new number next to my name in the rankings there, um, but I mean there was really nothing nothing taken out of those the doubles. I felt like it was definitely worthy of a, of a Wimbledon title. Well, it's a thing that'll be on your CV uh, forever. You are on our show last year and we were talking about your uh, really good run, of course, you know, getting to the Olympics, uh, semi-final at um, Eastbourne and your, your singles was really taking off and uh, I think you know, we all know who followed tennis that you've got uh, huge capabilities in that area, still in the window to have some really good singles success. I had all these electronics patched up to me doing the TV stuff on Saturday morning. They all came out in that uh, match because you played some of the most sublime shots uh, that got me out of my chair pacing around the studio I've ever seen. So, Max, uh, hats off to you. You made a great combination. Thank you. We wanted to try and grab you uh, before you get on to the next week of the tour. It was a real highlight of the fortnight. And um, just keep being you and hopefully uh, great things still to come. Thank you. Thanks, BP. Max Purcell uh, joining us uh, early in uh, Newport over at uh, Rhode Island where Leighton Hewitt is going to be inducted into the International Tennis Hall of Fame this week. We need to get a break in and Luke and I will come back and wrap up. Install a 6.6 kilowatt solar system plus battery from just $25 a week at B Solar. Visit B.Solar and GLG Greenlife Group. Leaders in property services and open space management at glgcorp.com. The first serve.
your home of tennis. Welcome back to the first serve, Luke Savile, alongside me tonight. Check out Yarra Tennis Coaching. That's at Eaglemont Tennis Club. Uh, Shane Scrutney's a beauty just off the Eastern Freeway, uh, over 30 years coaching. So whether you're uh, just a first-timer or um, a serious player, check out Yarra Tennis dot com uh, dot au. Uh, well done to Elena Rybakina. What a performance, uh, Luke. Uh, what's the number I had here? Since Serena won her last slam, 217. We've had 21 slams, 14 different winners. Ostapenko, Muguruza, Stevens, Wozniacki, Hallett with two, Kerber, Osakis won four, Barty three, Andrescu, Kennan, Sviontek with two, uh, Krejcikova, Radakanu, now Rybakina. Throw yeah. them all in the air. Anyone mm. could win. It's a great story. Uh, that's that's the beauty of women's tennis right now. It's very open. And and my wife, uh, Daria, she's uh, she's very motivated because she feels uh, one on Absolutely. her. So uh, yeah. it's a great opportunity right now. And, uh, yeah, it's it's a great for Elena to, to win that. And she's uh, quite a quiet and reserved um, girl. But uh, she's, <laughs> uh, she's got a really big game. And uh, it's it's great to see. I'm sure she's celebrating now. She was a bit stunned by it all. And, uh uh, just wondering you know, whether she should jump up and down or uh, hmm. get a fist pump going and should I go up to the player box? But it was all such a new experience to win Wimbledon, something she did not expect. And uh, you mentioned Dasha. Look, her six months has been fantastic, back inside the top 100 and hopefully by years in, creeping closer to that top 50. We know she's been 20 in the world and she can bring the level as good as a lot of those players I've mentioned. So hmm. we wish her great success. We've got a couple of minutes. So I want to talk about you. What's the plan from here uh, for the, the rest of the year? Obviously, you played um, quite a bit of dubs to start this year. So you played with Kubler, Demonor, Thompson, uh, quite a few weeks with JP Smith, and then uh, ATP Cup. You played with John Pierce in the early part of the year. What's the uh, the, the schedule from here? Yeah, been uh, mixing it up a little bit, and, and JP and I we played the first six months predominantly, and I played Wimbledon with Matt Way Middlecoop, a Dutch guy, yes. and uh, and we made the final of Eastbourne before Wimbledon. So. Sorry, I uh, didn't forget to mention him. Yeah. <laughs> that's that's all right. And uh, yeah, so in a bit of a break right now, back here in the in the winter in Melbourne. But it's it's great to be home and uh, heading to Atlanta in the states in a couple of weeks. I'll play through the the US for a few weeks leading into the US Open. Uh, I'll play with Jordan Thompson, a really good mate of mine, and yep. I feel like we've um, built a great partnership and really good relationship off the court. And um, I really like our games, how we complement each other. And then probably stay over for a couple of months after the US and, and come home probably early November and, and get into pre-season. Nice. Uh, well, mate, I hope you continue to have some double success. You're inside that top 100 and no doubt, and we spoke about it during the broadcast last night, last night, you can't help but not be inspired by what Ebden and Max have done. You played with Max and I know there's a lot of competitors and you know firing away inside there to... Uh, continue this uh, journey in uh, one of the, the toughest global sports to play. So um, I know there's going to be good things uh, ahead. Uh, young guy Adam Walton over the weekend. He's a Queenslander. Won his first ITF. That's always a special moment. 15K. So he's gone down the college path the last uh, four years. Uh, in fact, our podcast, Play USA, check it out with all our Aussies. Uh, did catch up, ironically, with Adam uh, just prior to winning the 15K. Why did you choose to play college tennis? As soon as I graduated high school, I thought that I was going to go pro and wasn't really considering college tennis. So this happened in November of 2016. And then I remember the next few months up until about March was pretty slow trekking. I didn't have the best results January, February and March. And then I was like looking for other options to want to keep playing tennis. Um, but, you know, want to do maybe some education too, because I actually deferred uni at, um, at UQ. In, in Brisbane to play tennis. And then I realized that, hang on, maybe I should get, get an education. And then, yeah, I was looking 
uh, to come to college because I thought it'd be a great fit. I'd already been in boarding school in grade 10, 11, and 12 in Brisbane. So I already had that exposure of having to live by myself away from, from home. Um, so I thought the transition to college would would fit me quite well. You can listen to the whole podcast at thefirstserve.com.au. Uh, Lachlan Peel catches up with a lot of our Aussies in college. There's uh, about five interviews he's done there, so check that out. One of his first 15K, and a quick shout-out for Chris O'Connell, who did creep inside the top 100 in the live rankings when he's won his semi-final in Porto in Portugal on the weekend. Elected not to play uh, Wimbledon qualities, trying to chase uh, the points, so got injured in Malaga the week before. Got injured in the final, unfortunately, so hopefully he'll be back for Atlanta in a couple of weeks, but uh, he and Jason Kubler to creep back inside. Thank you, Luke. Thanks, BP. Thanks for having me. Great to have you in uh, tonight. We'll do it all again next uh, Monday night from 8 o'clock. Hit them beautifully this week. G'day, Mike Hussey here. Get on board Australia's best fantasy cricket game, KFC Supercoach BBL. It's fun, free and easy to play. Play today at supercoach.com.au. T's and C's apply. New South Wales authorisation number TP slash 01005.